0: In order to prescribe an effective workout plan, you need to understand that each type of training is gonna have a different adaptation on your body. We do strength training in order to ramp up our metabolism. We do cardio training in order to enhance our cellular health and fat burning efficiency. We do HIIT training in order to improve our cardiovascular and pulmonary fitness. So three different systems, three different types of workouts as I like to say in our programming, we don't try to fix everything all at once.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarious human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think Question and synthesize wherever our curiosity takes us. It is through these conversations that we hope to provide blueprints for others to learn and lead a more fulfilling life. In today's episode, we are joined by Panos Papadiamantis, co founder of Panoi, the world's first portable cardiometabolic analyzer. And what that is, is a mask that you wear during a 10 minute test on a treadmill, and from that, you gain incredible insights into your health and fitness. Panoe is on a quest to bring cardiometabolic analysis to everyone as the gold standard for nutrition, exercise prescription, the most non-invasive method for cardiovascular disease screening, and the clinical standard for triaging between pulmonary and cardiac limitations, as well as a valuable tool in detecting latent causes of myoskeletal problems. Cardiometabolic analysis is rapidly becoming the central assessment in holistic health. And in this conversation with Panos, we go really deep on the understanding he's gained through cardiometabolic analysis and to kind of unpack what it's used for and how to bridge the gap from what i had assumed was just a vo2 max test but it goes deeper than that and it allows you to have a much broader understanding of how well you, the system of your body is functioning from hearts lungs and basically the system as a whole and this is just like the first layer overall system level view of what's working in your body And then to go further, you'd eventually be able to target and pinpoint different areas so that you can bring all areas up to a certain standard for yourself. Realistically, what this provides is a way for you to look at your pain points in your system that is your body. So with that, everyone, please enjoy this conversation with Panos Papadiamandis. Enjoy.
0: Cool. So yeah, fire away. Uh, you want me to give you some background on what we do, et cetera, and then you can uh, continue with questions.
1: Yeah, that works. I basically this is. I love to keep this more conversational than I do actually interview style. It's kind of to unpack what the person is doing. You know what? How did they their curiosity take them down the road that they're in, and then just kind of unpacking some of the the softer skills that like dealing with you know the trials and tribulations of life, where you know even if we are whoever we are, we're still gonna struggle and things, and we're always working towards something, so. 100%. First
0: Well, of all, a few words about NOE. Pnoe is the world's first metabolic analyzer for the mass market. Metabolic analysis is by far the most foundational assessment a person can do. The reason is simple. It is the only method known to science that screens the three most foundational systems of human physiology your cardiovascular, your pulmonary, and your metabolic systems all at once. Because it is so it is so comprehensive as an assessment, it provides the gold standard tool for prescribing nutrition, the gold standard tool for prescribing workout plans, and it is also the most effective tool for screening for cardiovascular, pulmonary, and metabolic diseases. So pretty much every chronic disease you can think of out there can be picked up in some ways through metabolic testing. So it is by far the most comprehensive health assessment a person can do. And what most people think at this point is okay, if this is something so great, why aren't we doing it? And why so very few people have heard about it? Mm-hmm. The answer has many layers. First of all is the cost. So until until Pnoe came along, if you wanted to get your hands on a clinical grade Fully validated metabolic analyzer, you would need to spend anywhere between thirty and sixty thousand dollars, which is certainly outside of the uh, budget of a you know a fitness center, a small scale clinical practitioner, and so on. Then the other big problem was is of use. So cardiometabolic analyzers until today were very complicated, and you really needed to invest a lot of time in order to become proficient and be able to operate them effectively. And then the biggest obstacle, I would say, has been the fact that metabolic analyzers, until Pnoli came along, didn't provide any sort of support to the practitioner. The nutritionist, the gym owner, the personal trainer, the clinician, you name it, didn't provide any support when it comes to transitioning from raw cardiometabolic data to an actionable workout plan or diet plan or diagnosis. So what would happen in most cases, especially in the cases of clinical grade systems, the system would just dump a bunch of graphs, which most people are completely unable to utilize because we're talking about a lot of different variables that are being measured concurrently just to frame things A cardiometabolic test measures roughly 13 variables in your breath concurrently uh, on a breath-by-breath basis, Mm -hmm. so on every breath cycle. So there's a lot of data that is being gathered. And in order to fully analyze that data, you need to start looking into different combinations of these variables. So it does require a lot of expertise in order to analyze all of that data effectively and in its entirety. And so just by providing a couple of graphs that didn't really help practitioners to actually utilize the data. And as a result, until you know, it came along, most practitioners were largely unaware of the different elements of human physiology that can be scanned by a metabolic analyzer. And of course, there are some cases of devices that would provide some sort of a canned report, an automatic report that is generated right after the test. Mm-hmm. But uh, in these cases, what you would get is five training zones, two thresholds, and then a value for your view to max. And this still is miles away from providing a complete workout plan that outlines your strength training, your cardio training, your HIIT training, exactly like the report that you got after you got the te- after you got tested by Knowing the you know just, just providing training zones and, and your view to max isn't really workout prescription yeah. and it's certainly not nutrition prescription. So what really sets Panoe apart is that it's not only the most accurate portable metabolic analyzer in the industry, it is the only solution that allows a practitioner to go from metabolic data to an actionable workout and diet plan without having the without needing to have the expertise to analyze the data and of course without needing to invest the time needed to analyze all of that data that's super interesting uh, i i know it's a lot of information that's why i paused if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you have any questions uh you said you wanted this to be more conversational and i don't want to go in a monologue about no <laughs> yeah it, that's yeah.
1: okay <laughs> so for me that's I mean, it makes a lot of sense Like to hear that and to actually see the actual report. So for full disclosure for the listeners, I have taken a Pinoy test and the he's absolutely right in saying that it does put a lot of information in front of the user to allow them to understand what their body's trying to tell them, basically. And at least at the very best to t- highlight pain points within your physiology to, to work on. And I had not realized that you can re- measure so many different things just from exhalation to the breath. I, my very surface level understanding of what the test was was for volume of oxygen at max, basically, to try and look at your metabolic peak performance, I like sprinting on a treadmill for those who are not familiar. So that That's isn't... Correct.
0: <laughs> and, and, what and what you're describing now is probably one of the biggest misconceptions about metabolic testing that... Metabolic testing is basically VO2 max testing. Well, VO2 max is simply the highest number of one of the variables recorded during the test. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are so many other things that are scanned during a metabolic test. You scan your cardiovascular fitness, your respiratory fitness, your metabolic efficiency, which is how fast or slow your metabolism is. In other words, whether you're burning fewer or more calories than the average person of uh, your size and gender.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: can see to what extent your breathing is affecting your posture. You can see to what extent, extent your breathing is affecting your cognition. Uh, you can screen how effective you are in burning fat. That's actually the gold standard for assessing fat burning efficiency, which is uh, highly correlated with cellular health. There are so many, many things that are scanned through a metabolic test. But, you know, because of how difficult devices were to operate until today, and because Mm -hmm. of uh, the very small extent that they supported the user when it comes to analyzing data, most of that information was largely unexploited until today. Yeah.
1: and I mean, to me, that kind of makes sense because, you know, I come from an engineering background like yourself, and, and a lot of engineering isn't really what most people think it is like, you know, it's building frenzy products, but a lot of times it's, it's looking at the data behind the scenes and then making a nice E to Z readable graph that, so anybody can look at it to understand what that data is trying to tell you, not, you know, just putting numbers in front of someone. Cause most people aren't going to get that. Be like, okay, that's cool, but why? <laughs>
0: uh, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Yeah.
1: So for something like Panoe too, like just looking at the form factor of the device, I found it really interesting because I've seen the older like or really more standard versions of this where it's basically like a computer with like an analyzer that's or a laptop that has that hooked up to it. So it makes it a little mm-hmm. bit unwieldy to wear those whereas Panoe's form factor is basically like a little mini backpack. It's probably about the size of like a a credit card. If you stacked like 20 of them together,
0: I think that's an accurate representation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just kind of, that's just my really quick way of describing it. And it's using mm-hmm. like a little weighted backpack kind of strap system. It's, it's really fascinating because the, you know, the power supply self-contained there, the, the strap doesn't get in the way or the mass doesn't really get in the way unless you're like smiling or something, obviously. And then the way it, it as you're running, you really don't realize you're really kind of taking the test. Obviously, you're having a mask on, so it is a little bit different. But for the most part, it doesn't really like feel weird. Whereas I've heard other people when they run on the treadmill doing these tests, like they feel the cord kind of pulling at their face and stuff like that. So like accuracy of data goes up by improving the the, the measurement system. Basically, you know, trying to reduce variables that would increase error
0: for sure and really the biggest problem with uh, some of the older units were the fact that you would uh, use the hose that would basically allow you to only breathe from the mouth mm-hmm. and you would use a nose clip in order to block okay yeah. that creates an enormous problem with data consistency because most people, and this is how it should be, are nasal breathers at least up until they get into a relatively high exercise intensity. Mm-hmm. And when you block your nasal when you block nasal breathing, when you restrict nasal breathing and you force yourself to breathe through the mouth, most likely you're gonna start to hyperventilate. Hyperventilation is gonna cause um, a perturbation in the concentration of CO2 and O2 in your breath as a result. A lot of the variables that will be recorded by a metabolic analyzer will be significantly affected. In very simple words, you will be recording you will be recording artifacts, which aren't necessarily metabolic responses of the body.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that actually happened during my test where I I like smiled or like the seal had kind of gotten broken for like a short second, and so we saw a dip in the numbers.
0: Actually, yeah, this is it's not a big issue. Like mm-hmm. uh, you can cancel out that part of the test. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hyperventilation issue that I'm referring to is basically across the entire test, all of the CO2 readings or all of the O2 readings oh, wow. are either shifted upwards or shifted downwards. Another gotcha. result, like your your anaerobic threshold or aerobic threshold, will be pinpointed somewhere in in, in a completely different exercise intensity. So to all of the listeners that might have done a metabolic test wearing a hose that has that nose clip, most likely you need to redo the test using a mask that doesn't obstruct your nasal breathing.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Cause I've, I've heard of the nasal clip it being kind of like a, a, a standard for some of the these high performance tests. So that's insane that it would cause either upshift or downshift depending on what kind of breather you are. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, if, 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 so, and again, there are people who are very experienced breathers who can avoid going into hyperventilation despite the fact that they're breathing from their mouth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, there is no way that you can guarantee that this is going to be the case with everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, making accessible to everybody is making it easier to use for everybody, not being like, hey, you have to learn yeah. how to train, how to breathe a certain way to exactly. use this thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah. You've been mentioning like how the Panoe is a gold standard for many different tests. Has there been any um, studies done or papers released with Panoe being used?
0: Absolutely, yeah. We recently did, recently, it was six, six eight months ago, mm-hmm. we did the first independent validation study that was done by uh, Rutgers University, Georgetown University, and the VA healthcare system in Maryland. Basically, that study showed that PNOE has uh, exactly the same accuracy as the standard, the gold standard metabolic card. We compared it against the Cosmet Quark, which is a very well established metabolic analyzer in the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just that, if you compare the valida- the validation study PNOE with other official validation studies of other portable devices, you're going to see that PNOE has the greatest accuracy in terms of standard deviation, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then just kind of for other people, what does that mean for gold standard within calorie deviation? Because, you know, I, I listened to the loop co- podcast that you were on where, you know, standard calorie burn is about tor- plus or minus 20%, I believe, uh, if I'm quoting that correctly. And where Pinoy is somewhere down in like the, the 5% error.
0: So the, the gold standard for the thresholds for identifying what is gold standard and indirect colorimetry Indirect calorimetry is uh, the term used in order to uh, define the method used by devices like Mm NOE. We call it indirect calorimetry because we measure calories indirectly by measuring O2 and CO2 in your breath. So really the thresholds aren't expressed in calories. Thresholds are expressed in VO2 and VCO2, so volume of oxygen uptake and volume of carbon dioxide so you should be in the plus or minus three uh, percent in both VO2 and VCO2 across the range of values that you're measuring.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So for from there, I would like to just curious, what is your background? And then it's kind of a two-part question. It's like understanding where you came from and then what is the vision for Pinoy, like long term? Like what is like where is the the if you threw a target in the sand, what, what would you love to see Panoe turn into?
0: Sure, yeah. So my personal background, I did my first degree in mechanical engineering in Athens, National Technical University of Athens. Then I did my uh, graduate degree at Stanford. It was again in the engineering school. I did operations research. Then I worked in the tech industry, enterprise IT, you know, completely unrelated. What happened then at some point, because I always wanted to start something of my own, my good friend and co-founder, Apostolos, he was doing his PhD in Cambridge, UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, during his PhD, he was looking to the field of breath analysis. Breath analysis is uh, probably one of the most interesting and emerging fields in uh, medical diagnostics because of the fact that there are so many things that you can detect from a person's breath. And while he was looking into breath analysis, he was looking into the different applications and the different biomarkers that are, are, are um, being utilized in today's medical industry. And he saw that cardiometabolic testing is probably the application of breath analysis that is the most well-established in the sense that we've been doing cardiometabolic testing since the 1920s. Uh, there are actually pictures of people wow. breathing masks and then holders are collecting the exhaled gases into large bags so you know the concept of measuring o2 and co2 in a person's breath has existed in the world of science for nearly a century now but what he saw was that hey this is something that is so well established but so few people actually do it and then he started working and working on a prototype putting together some sensors etc and then after a certain point you know because he he had shared with me the fact that he was working on that and then at some point we were like okay maybe we should you know try and turn this thing into a company there is uh, obviously you know great market potential if you're able to measure a person's metabolism Mm -hmm. to be very honest with you when we first started the only thing that we knew about metabolism was that it was a big buzzword in the fitness industry (laughs) nothing more than that (laughs) if you were (laughs) me back then about the potential of metabolic testing to screen for hyperventilation and how hyperventilation affects your posture, I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) But Anyways, um, it was sort of a gut feeling. We were like, hey, you know, metabolism is something so central in human physiology. Mm -hmm. If you build a device that actually measures it, there's got to be a way to grow a good business out of that. And this is how it started. And, you know, by the way, this is advice to anyone who's starting a company. Do not start a company based on that uh, mentality. This is what (laughs) Silicon Valley investors define as technology looking for a need. And uh, we were lucky. (laughs) We were lucky in the sense that uh, we actually found the need in a product market fit. But, uh, you know, it, it, it might have very well been the case that we wouldn't have found anything. So usually the right way to start things is, hey... I see that people want to do VO2 max testing more easily, and this is why I want to build a VO2 max testing device, et cetera. We did it the other way around. And as a result, you know, <laughs> we had many near-death experiences, mm-hmm. which are very, you know, constructive in, in, in some ways. I think part of the reason why, as a company, we are so scientific and, and, and we provide a lot of education to our users as well, is because we needed to educate ourselves extensively in order to understand where our device will ultimately be used. Yeah. So uh, this is this is kind of a this is kind of some uh some background information on how everything started and uh,
1: yeah that's I it's so interesting to me because you know a lot of times these devices or you know products get made because it, you know there's always something new to be made or something like that. And I think a lot of times we go down these roads that it seems like there's something there, but it's like you're almost uncovering it as you go along. And you know, making it a company kind of is, is turns it into a reason to try and figure it out. Otherwise it just kind of lingers as an interest. you know.
0: But you know, the, the whole idea of what I'm trying to say, though, is that there are already too many unknowns mm. in that path of building a company. It's very good if the need, Mm-hmm. is not an unknown factor. Yeah, so so uh, basically, if you're not sure uh, that there is a clear need for what you're building out there, you have one additional very big unknown factor to tackle, which can be the most decisive one.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And then for Pinoy, what I find is interesting about it is that it it fits into this new category that, that for me feels like it it's... It pulls on the thread for someone like myself who is not an elite athlete but is looking to perform better in all aspects of their life. You know, the, like the weekend warrior maybe maybe rec- recreational enthusiast is maybe the category you'd fit that into. But for, for me, like a product like this is about giving accessibility to something that I myself would never have access to because I'm not competing or even looking to compete in any way. Is that – accidental or bad design?
0: Well, the reality is that metabolic testing is something so foundational that undeniably provides a lot of value to any person out there. You don't need to be uh, a professional athlete. You don't even need to be a recreational athlete. You can even be a person that is looking to lose weight. Just, you know, an interesting piece of information. The most Important and potent physiological factor why most people cannot lose weight is a slowdown in their metabolic activity. This Mm -hmm. is uh, what happened to the participants of The Biggest Loser, this famous TV show. There was a big article on the New York Times back in 2014. Basically, uh, metabolic experts examined how the metabolism of these individuals evolved because of the type of training and the type of uh, diets they were doing during that show and they clearly demonstrated that you know the the slowdown in metabolism was the reason why these people ultimately regained weight mm-hmm. so understand if you're a person for example that is working out doing uh spinning or whatever five six times per week and you're eating two and a half salads per day and you can't lose weight well this is almost expli- almost entirely explained uh based on your metabolism So, uh, understanding, for example, whether the type of training and the type of nutrition that you're doing is hurting your metabolism or not is the number one thing you should be concerned about if you're trying to lose weight. Now, in the case of the weekend warrior or in the the case of a professional athlete, uh, metabolic testing, as you said in the beginning, is going to pinpoint the limiting factor in your ability to perform physical work. Uh, As humans, we are aerobic species in the sense that we use oxygen in order to generate energy from nutrients. That's how we move. We burn fats and carbohydrates. We burn them by using oxygen and that combustion leads to movement. And if you look at the flow of oxygen, what you have is the lungs absorbing oxygen and then the heart is pumping oxygen-rich blood to the muscles. And then the muscles are absorbing that oxygen in order to use it mm-hmm. in the compulsion process. Now, that chain can break at any point. In other words, any one of these systems can ultimately, ultimately become the limiting factor. Metabolic testing is the only method known to science that can reliably identify where the limitation is. And after you determine the limitation – you can determine what type of training you need to do or what type of nutrition you need to do in order to overcome it. So doesn't really matter if you're a professional or recreational athlete. Uh, understanding what your limitation is is going to be what drives your training.
1: Yeah. I find it really fascinating is, is, you know, trying to figure out your own pain points because I think from a user standpoint, or at least the self-motivated, if you can show the person... Rather than prescribing a person what to do, you can show them, here's this, you know, this area that is a pain point for you. Here's how Mm -hmm. you can start correcting it and then being able to show improvement over time on what you're doing rather than just like take this pill and then you'll feel better. I I think that means a lot less or that means a lot less to people rather than like working towards correcting something that they feel control of. And then not to mention like what you were saying before with the metabolic efficiency for like Biggest Loser. That has always been something I didn't think about it in that way until as you were explaining it, because you see these people who get into the gym, you know, it's really pertinent that we're talking about this in January because of all the New Year's resolutions where everybody's going to be in the gym now. But those people who just sit on the treadmill all day and maybe they have a little bit extra weight or they're slightly overweight, they are inadvertently increasing their metabolic efficiency, as I understand it. And that's why they're more likely to hold on to those extra fat stores rather than burning it off. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a very simple concept. Uh, your body is programmed to preserve itself. And so when you are restricting energy intake, in other words, calories going in the system, and you are also doing things that are energetically costly, in other words, running on a treadmill, your body will simply try to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. And how will it try to conserve energy? By slowing down its metabolic processes. And the, it's a quite complicated endocrine response. In other words, it, it's, it's a hormonal response that takes place in these people. But the end result is that you end up burning fewer calories than the average person. And this is going to be a big problem for you because... You need to eat less to maintain your weight. You need to be eating almost nothing to be losing weight. And then when you go back to eating normal, all of a sudden, for you, that means weight gain. Mm-hmm. And that's this is what is happening over and over again for millions of people out there.
1: Yeah, it, it makes me – I get so also- – not annoyed or, or frustrated or something. I don't know. It, it just all this stuff about dieting or like the, the, this is the best way to you know lose weight or burn fat or build muscle kind of thing. It always kind of drives me nuts because I look at it and I'm like, no, they're just all different kinds of tools for different occasions. You know, you do weightlifting for one thing and cardio for another and yoga for a different, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of how I well, tend to well, look at you,
0: it. In order to prescribe an effective workout plan, you need to understand that each type of training is going to have a different adaptation on your body. Mm -hmm. So we do strength training in order to ramp up our metabolism. We do cardio training in order to enhance our cellular health and fat burning efficiency. We do HIIT training in order to improve our cardiovascular and pulmonary fitness. So three different systems, three different types of workouts as I like to say, in our programming in we we don't try to fix everything all at once. It will never work. Mm -hmm. We always focus on the limiting factor that is the most important for the goal that you're trying to achieve. And after we have fixed that limiting factor, we move on to the next one with the adequate exercise that comes along with it.
1: Yeah. That's kind of how I look at working out for myself in general. Like, the idea of basically longevity is trying to have my body function at a high level as I can for as long as it can. And the, the idea here is that you don't just do, you know, like a 30 day workout routine and then you're done. Like there is no finish line. It's okay. I'm going to do like a 30 day workout routine, but understand that, Hey, that's going to impact your cardio efficiency basically. And so then you're going to have to spend the next two weeks after you do that program kind of rebuilding your cardio because you're probably going to add on extra weight too, which is not going to be helpful for that either. So that, you know, you have to remember that there's balancing on both ends of the spectrum here to, to remember that you can't just fix or improve one thing without suffering in other areas.
0: In a way, yes, in a way. Yeah. And and, and this is true. For example, too much cardio, as I said, is going to, you know, is going to make you more efficient. As a result, you're going to be burning fewer calories. On the other hand, if you, decide to go all out on weights and you start doing weights non-stop obviously that's going to have a toll on your cardio and that's not good for your heart and lungs mm-hmm. and your overall longevity of course so there needs to be a balance and obviously at each particular point in time you need to be focusing on something but as you very well said you know uh, ensuring that you have a healthy lifestyle by default means that you're exercising regularly. Yeah. So, yeah, this is kind of the basis of everything.
1: Yeah. So, another thing that I'm I'm really interested in, I'm curious if Pinoy is kind of trying to see if they can measure it but like within the the metabolic uh, efficiency is the mitochondria. Is Pinoy trying to understand what the mitochondria is doing with the exhalations or is there any way to like gold standards about, you know, in speeding up or slowing down your metabolism as related to Pinoy?
0: So, I mean, mitochondrial density and basically mitochondrial efficiency, which is to what extent your mitochondria are capable of utilizing oxygen, it is something that is measured. It's, we call it fat burning efficiency. Burn is something that is more uh, more, more palatable for people. But, in many ways, this metric is very closely related to mitochondrial efficiency. And so, yeah, this is this is something that is being measured. if If you think about it, like you know the reason why oxygen utilization efficiency at a muscle level is highly correlated with fat burning efficiencies is because fat as a fuel source can only be oxidized by utilizing oxygen. So, if you are able to utilize oxygen, then you are likely able to, utilize fat as a fuel source.
1: Yeah, I, I think the idea of mitochondria is, is is one of this new areas of research that I find extremely fascinating, at least for, you know, how do you maximize the potential of the mitochondria you have? Do you know a good way of explaining, because I think most of us from like biochem or even just a little bit of biology, it's described as the powerhouse of the cell, but there's so much more going on. So I don't know how much of an in-depth knowledge you have of mitochondria, but... Anything you can explain or add more nuance to this unique cell?
0: I mean, mitochondria are basically the uh, fa- energy generation factories of the body. It's the part of the body, part of the cell actually, that is there in order to, you know, transform energy from nutrients into propulsion. That's what it does. And obviously, The more efficient they are in utilizing oxygen, the more you're able to engage what's called the aerobic metabolism. Aerobic metabolism is the type of metabolism that utilizes oxygen in order to produce uh, physical movement without generating fatigue metabolites, which will basically wear out your body and prohibit you from working out and performing physical work. So, yeah, so that, that that's kind of the most simplistic explanation I can give.
1: No, that, that's totally great. I, I was just seeing if you could pull out any more threads with that, because I know there's a lot of researchers in, in this space that are, you know, pushing the forefront of, of this stuff with like resveratrol and, and NAD+, and things like that to try and see if that's improving mitochondria health or longevity slash efficiency. A... Yes.
0: I mean, NAD+ plus is basically a substance that is used in the Krebs cycle. Krebs cycle is the aerobic cycle in the sense that it's it's the process by which we utilize oxygen in order to burn nutrients. And so, yeah, I'm 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 aware of the companies like Elysium Health and all mm-hmm. supplement companies that claim to improve mitochondrial health. By providing you with uh, supplementation of NAD+, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, I haven't really looked into the body of research that they've put out. In, in, in any case, though, just so that listeners are not confused, with metabolic testing, you view things from a global perspective. So yeah. you, can, you, you can't really tell if you know a specific you know muscle. Not a specific muscle you can't really tell if it's something is wrong specifically with a part of your mitochondria or something else that is very specific to mitochondria mm-hmm. what you can understand is whether your mitochondria overall are capable of utilizing oxygen and same applies to the heart same applies to the lungs you can think of it as the first line tool that will determine where the problem is if you want to be more specific about uh, something, then you probably need to do some additional tests.
1: That was just, I just, as you were say, explaining that, it really clicked. I'm like, oh, there it is. The, the Pinoy test just gives you this system-level overview of, like, here's how everything is functioning, and then it, uh-huh. it allows you to pinpoint the, the area and then what specialist within that area to go see for further diagnosis on specific, mm-hmm. you know. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. Would you recommend people, like, retest on Pinoy, like, every – quarter or twice a year or something like that or depending on how much they're training or
0: yeah so your metabolic testing the frequency of your metabolic testing really depends on how acute your intervention is so if you're on a crash diet probably makes sense to be testing every six weeks Mm -hmm. if you are an elite athlete pretty much the same if you are in a state then you know Testing every six months is probably okay.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I would. I would not have. Uh, I thought. I thought that was kind of the case, where you want to mm-hmm. do like a checkup every every so often, kind of seeing yeah. where you're where you're falling in line, or if you've kind of let things slip in different ways. So for me. That we're going to kind of get into some more general questions here now rather than just talk about Panoe, even though I could talk about all this metabolic stuff forever because I think it's absolutely fascinating. What are some areas within your profession, like say, like entering the engineering world or outside of it that you've heard people give bad recommendations for you? I mean, because you're kind of really far removed from where you started at this point.
0: Uh, can, can you be more specific? Can you give me an example of a bad recommendation?
1: Yeah, like bad advice for someone who's young, who's like maybe not sure what they want to do with, like their, if if they went to college and they were are trying to think of something, but it's like, well, this thing is totally out of my area of expertise. Like you were saying is, you know, you know so much about metabolic of the body now that, that is totally not <laughs> mechanical engineering. I think this is a, I just love to pull on that thread. Yeah,
0: so... Uh, Again, just to clarify, are you asking for examples of bad advice that I received, or bad advice that I normally hear people giving to others?
1: Either one doesn't matter. Whichever one's more interesting for you.
0: Yeah. So bad advice that I received. Oh God, <laughs> you caught me off guard here. I mean, when it comes to when it comes to bad advice, to be honest with you, nothing from my personal experience comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But. When it comes to, given the fact that uh, Pinoy is selling in the fitness industry and the fitness industry is replete bad advice and basically myths, like I have a lot of experiences to share from that. For example, you know, the the, the typical advice that a lot of personal trainers give to people when it comes to weight loss, you need to, you know, cut calories and then, you know, do as much HIIT training as you can or go out, run three, four times a week and then complement that with a lot of spinning this is primarily what has what has destroyed uh, a lot of people's metabolisms out there and this is what is preventing them from getting to their to their goals this is just an example of like you know bad advice that we need to encounter and debate against when it comes to clients that have been that purchase pnoe and then they look at the programming that we provide and then it becomes a challenge to combat all of that all of these myths and all of that uh, misunderstanding around how your body is working and how your metabolism is going to react to nutrition and workout but yeah, so I guess that would be the most glaring example that I can think of looking backwards in, in, in the journey that it's, it's, it's been a three-year journey now. So it's uh, it's building up.
1: Yeah that's, I, yeah, that's a really good example that I, I should have I known that yeah. <laughs> as I asked the question, but it makes a lot of sense if for you. Yeah. What would you be like your like entry level prescription, if you wanted to get someone started, you know, say, say they maybe were on a sedentary like workout or they weren't working out at all. And what would you recommend rather than this? You just got to do all the cardio in the world.
0: Yeah. Strength training. It, it, what I like to say is that it starts under the squat rock. This is, this is where you build muscle. This is where you build your body. And, you know, especially when it comes to longevity and, and keeping weight off and, and being able to live off. Uh, a uh, high quality life you need to have muscle on your body that's the most uh, important thing obviously you should be working on your cardio and you should make you should make sure that you have a high view to peak you know if anything we are the biggest proponents of view to peak as a health metric it is well-established as the most foundational health metric and the greatest indicator for overall health, etc. but making sure that, you know, you keep weight off and you are able to uh, perform physical work without risk of getting injured, etc. cetera, the most important thing is ma- building a strong myoskeletal system. And this is done by, as I like to say, it starts under the squat rack. So... Obviously, it's more complicated than that, but this is what I like to say, just to describe, to give a very broad overview of how this program would look like in the beginning. Obviously, as I said, it's going to have cardio training, HIIT training, etc. down the road, but uh, it starts by building a strong myoskeletal foundation.
1: I, I think that's really important to say that because I think a lot of people, especially when they start working out, if their goal is not to get bulky or add a whole ton of muscle. They get worried about doing something like squats or deadlifts because of the, the associated connotation around it. And for me, it's like, if you really want the biggest bang for your buck for like, can your body function well, squat and deadlifts are kind of like your big two from overall like functionality perspective. And yeah, we couldn't we we just need to do do more of it not to mention because we sit so much that our hips are just totally don't do what they're supposed to be able to do we've you know chronically unlearned it at this point (laughs) the next question here we got when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused do you have any routines or things that kind of help you like lock back in
0: yeah i I work out (laughs) (laughs) that's what i do you know any any type of workout at that point would you know, we'll do it like, you know, just go out for a jog or hit the gym, lift heavy weights off the ground. Don't do that if you're tired. I've gotten injured. So yeah, that, you know, know, uh, safety is the first thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, whenever I try to um, ground myself back to, you know, and and, and find my focus again, I guess the most uh, potent thing that I can do is work out.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I agree with that so much. It's like, I've had to tell my coworkers before, like, if you're going to make me try and work yeah. late, yeah. I'm like, I might have to leave for like an hour and go to the gym because I'm just yeah. going to need to recharge. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get it. Yeah. 100%. You know, it, it's an interesting thing. Do you have any like specific routines, like for morning or ending of the day, just out of curiosity?
0: What do you mean specifically? Like,
1: uh, like think of like routine for like winding up into your day or winding down to go but go to sleep?
0: Oh, no, I don't. And the reason, the reason why is because I travel a lot at the moment. I'm currently in Greece. So I've been here for about a month. I'm going to San Francisco after that, uh, staying there for a couple of months and traveling around the US after that. So there's a lot of traveling. So Uh, the bad thing with getting so much travel in is the fact that you can't really, you know, lock yourself into a specific routine. So no, to answer your question, I don't have any specific
1: routines when I wake up. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I guess if you're traveling, the better question is how do you deal with jet lag?
0: The most important thing that you can do is find flights that will allow you to sleep on board, Mm -hmm. sleep during the flight. And then if you do that and you get that right, then uh, jet lag can be substantially less impactful. So Yeah, try to find flights that work with your sleep schedule.
1: Do you use anything like melatonin or any other sleep aids to kind of ward
0: against? No, not not, not really.
1: Yeah, because I've heard people who do kind of like this interesting thing to uh, fight jet lag where they try to look at the time zone they're either going to be heading to or and then like start adjusting their sleep patterns so that they're like that time difference between the time zone is less and less. So I'm just curious if you had anything like that. To Be honest, no. Okay. Yeah. It's I mean that's a little that's a little extreme. <laughs> yeah. So the final question would be if you could give advice to someone who's smart driven, either like freshly out of college or just looking to kickstart themselves and do a new path, what would you advice would you give them about following some sort of deep seated yearning? Kind of like you said where you like always wanted to create something on your own. What would you give that young person or that person who's looking to do that? For themselves,
0: I mean, I think the most important thing that you need to do when you're young, right out of college, is take risk. And and if you if you want to build something of your own, because most people want to build something of their own, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a company or something. But you know, it it, it might as well be a side project. You just need to you know uh, just take the first step and be bold enough to be you know to accept the fact that. In the beginning, there's going to be ambiguity. There's going to be, there will be challenges, but it's the best time of your life to do it. As you will grow older, you will see that obligations and you know financial, family, you name it, will just keep piling up. And after a certain point, it becomes almost impossible to take risk. And there is, and even if your thing is not going to work, I personally haven't met anyone who took real risk, was determined to be successful, and ended up not getting something out of that endeavor of his. so that is the most important advice that I would give to someone who is you know basically starting his or her professional career.
1: I love it <laughs> it's yeah. It's a really important topic for me to kind of push people yeah. to expand outside of whatever it is they chose to do because a lot yeah. of times we feel like we have to do school and that puts us on this pathway that we're supposed to you know in quotes jump through these hoops and there's a lot more to life than jumping through said hoops
0: <laughs> Yeah, 100
1: all right panos i really appreciate the time you've given me here today how can people connect with you and there's always more for round two at a later day
0: Thank you so much. I much, much appreciate the, this opportunity. And, you know, if you have any questions about Noi or anything, uh, you know where to find us. Cool. And yeah. I'll have links
1: uh, in the show notes for all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Happy New Year and uh, take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.